everybody it's the orange and black insider Bengals podcast i'm anthony kazenza and it is a major major week as we all know wild card week and we've had a jam-packed week on this show on the cincy jungle podcast channel and we have another one for you here tonight on thursday night we're going to break down the game a little bit for you and then we are welcoming in glenn and or james i don't know if we're getting both of them but uh one or the other from 410 sports talk a great baltimore uh, sports podcast there. Happy to be joining them again. A little bit different conversation this week, John, with them because, I mean, the game's going to be different. It means a little bit more, you know, got, got teams are playing for a little bit more. But anyway, I'm Anthony. He's the brains behind the operation. John Sheeran. John, what's going on, man? So rarely the case, but always always flattered by that. You know what? I'm, <laughs> I'm, doing, I'm doing good, dude, because this time last year, a lot of the conversation was, you know, this is the week. Can the Bengals actually get yeah. over this proverbial hump yeah. right it, it was always yeah. wild card weekend that was the super bowl for the Bengals for the past 30 years and now it's a completely different conversation instead of this being the week to end all weeks it's just can the Bengals just get over this little pest that they've dealt with twice now this season the seventh divisional game in 17 games for them and it's a whole new ball game yeah in a weird way it's like you know it had the Bengals swept the ravens this year you almost felt a little bit more like Oh boy, about this one. Like, can they win three against one team in one year? Uh, the fact that they split it, you're kind of like, okay, well, you know, that makes it maybe a little bit easier in a lot of different respects. I don't know. But uh, regardless, let's start off. We're, we're going to break down a little bit of what we saw last week, what we anticipate to maybe see this week. We're going to talk a little bit, like I said, with the 410 Sports Talk guys in just a little bit. And uh, we'll get to that. But before we do, John, let's kind of talk about the news that dropped right before we took the air uh maybe maybe an hour or two before we took the air here from Lamar Jackson himself looking like he will not be playing quarterback this week for the Ravens here you can see here thank you every this is the tweet from his official account at LJ underscore era eight thank you everyone for your support and concerns regarding my injuries I want to give you all an update as I am in the recovery process I've suffered a PCL grade two sprain on the borderline of a strain three there is still inflammation surrounding my knee and my knee in a second uh, tweet here remains unstable I'm still in good spirits as I continue with treatments on the road to recovery I wish I could be out there with my guys more than anything but I can't give 100% of myself to my guys and fans I'm still hopeful we have a chance that John Sheeran sounds all but the certain out designation for Lamar Jackson in this one. Does it not? It really does suck too. Cause like, I, I truly do believe that he's not the guy that would just willingly just miss out on this game. If, unless he felt like it was hundred percent, the right thing to do for everything involved. It's not just him preserving himself for a future contract. And obviously getting healthy for next season but it's also the realization that if you're not 100 percent, then you being out there just kind of hurts your team even if you are you know clearly the best option and gives your team the best chance to win when you're healthy if you're not 100 percent, then you're just debilitating your own team's chances by being out there and not being the fully capable player that you are when you are healthy so i i do think there's a lot of hurt in those statements that he said, not just the physical pain that he's dealing with, but the mental, knowing that you know he right. wants to be out there, but unfortunately he's just not physically 
capable of doing so. And, and even if he does practice uh, Friday, you know, we're, we're recording this Thursday, so there's still one more practice for him to potentially get out there. It would be his first practice in well over a month. The rust would be beyond recognizable for him. So, like, it, it just doesn't seem great for him. It, it does not seem great for him. That is correct. And, John, the, the, the thing with this also is, I mean, I, what, what has to be painful for him is the fact that he knows some of the narratives that are going to come from this, right? There's some of the playoff narratives in terms of his success or lack thereof in the play- playoffs. Obviously the whole thing about, is this about a contract? Is it not all of that, you know, that that's now coming to the forefront. So, I mean, yeah, hard for him and hard for the Ravens, even though he's kind of willing them to a win, so to speak. I mean, John, it's a Ravens team without him over the last five, six games that have averaged right around 17 points. And they've still continued to win despite that because of how great yeah. their defense is. And it's just a matter of, you know, the whole thing going into this back half of the season was the Ravens had the exact opposite type of schedule compared to the Bengals. A lot of teams that they were capable of beating regardless of the offensive production, regardless of the quarterback out there, their defense had willed their way into the sixth spot in the, in the playoffs. Unfortunately, once you get here, you're going to face a lot better offenses. And even though the Bengals didn't have exactly their best offense performance out there, they still scored 20 points by themselves. And you got seven from a Joseph Asai home recovery in the end zone. So 27 total points. It's just really hard for this offense, despite how well they run the football when everything is clicking there. It's really hard for them to match the scoring production. It does, but and as we know now, if we're continuing on the injury theme, so to speak, there's some good news. I mean, we, we knew there's some bad news with Alex Kappa. Pretty much in all likelihood, he is not going to play this Sunday. But, um, you know, it looks like maybe if the Bengals go on a deep postseason run, maybe he will be in there to do that. But here you go. This is some good news on the T. Higgins front. There was some concern with the hip pointer that he had this week. And obviously, it's kind of a pain management thing at this point right now. Kelsey Conway, Cincinnati Inquirer notes, you know, just saw T. Higgins or just asked T. Higgins rather if he is okay. He said that he is all good, missed a practice yesterday because he was ill, obviously had the hip pointer, John. And then now, you know, you've got a situation where he's practicing in full capacity and it still remains kind of a pain management issue, but some positive updates as of Thursday. What, who was it that said something about like he was going 110 miles an hour? I don't know. He, maybe it was his own words or something like that. I, I, I can't really remember the, the exact quote. Yeah, it was our friend Charlie Goldsmith who who got oh, okay. the quote. T said he was going 110 miles an hour. It's raining out in Cincinnati. The roads are kind of slick. I would advise him to go maybe closer to the speed limit. But also, <laughs> you know, um, it's obviously him expressing optimism and confidence right. and, and where his physical state is. But it, it is a case of him maybe potentially working through something minor. You know, Zach Taylor as typically um, just operate on the side of caution of easing guys back in and everything. But, you know, this is the playoffs and very rarely are you having a lot of physical practices. Now, I believe it was Taylor said like everything is mainly is above the helmet, right? In terms of just getting the mental reps, um, just going through all the drills, the walkthroughs, making sure everything is on the same page. Not a lot of physical exertion going on right now. So as long as he's healthy to play, that's, that's great news, but slow, slow down T slow down. Yeah. Slow down a little bit. Let's make sure we don't pull something or do something that uh, will, will cause a backslide, but a good news besides being ill and all that kind of stuff. Um, he is back. And then quickly, before we get into some X's and O's a little bit, uh, you know, we had, there's a couple other headlines. Ted Harris won a uh, pro football writers of America media cooperation award for the Bengals. Um, we've talked about Lamar. And then of course, just a quick update 
Uh, guy we haven't talked about a lot about is Tyson Anderson, a guy here that is called back to practice off of the IR return list. Um, not activated to the roster yet, but a guy, a name to watch maybe this postseason, particularly, you know, we, we, we've seen some good things from Trey flowers, uh, a couple of struggles here and there this year in terms of uh, effectiveness against the tight ends and whatnot, but um, still a, a valuable weapon, but this may be another guy they look at as you potentially face, not, not this week necessarily with Andrews, but you know, a Travis Kelsey, a Dawson Knox, that sort of thing. Maybe you, you add him in somewhere to, to do something. We'll see. How crazy would that be? If he's injured his entire rookie season, his debuts against the Buffalo bills at Buffalo, um, right. probably it's, it would be best if maybe Tyson Anderson didn't play this postseason on on defense. Uh, that probably assuming that all four all four other safeties are are out there and healthy, and hopefully that that remains the case. But yeah, um, he's been on IR all season, and it seemed like you know they didn't need him to come back because they didn't suffer any injuries, so he just might stay there. But no, he was he's actually been like not well enough to practice, and it wasn't just a, a case of they don't need him, so there's no reason to activate him. So he's in this now three week window to practice and. God forbid if they actually need him out there, he's, I guess, now in that window to get activated. And what we'll get into this. I mean, one of the things we saw from the Bengals this last week was Jesse Bates playing really well, having a great game, causing two turnovers in this game and kind of turning it on to, to play off Jesse mode here a little bit against the Ravens. Hopefully that continues as we talk safeties. But the other thing that I noticed a little bit from last week as we talk a little bit of what did we see last week, what might we see this week from from the Baltimore Ravens in terms of differences and whatnot. Um, one of the things I saw, and I think it was due to Marcus Peters potentially being out, but you saw more Kyle Hamilton. You saw that big guy playing in the slot. Uh, and so that's something I wonder how they're going to configure all of that on defense. And then, of course, you did see a lot of Roquan Smith not only – in on a lot of plays but doing some things potentially after the whistle a little bit uh so what what else did you see that kind of intrigued you last week in terms of maybe formations or things that the Ravens were showing on either offense or defense so we know the Ravens still normally blitz um specifically against the Bengals now in two games this season uh, Burrow's been blitzed six times and he's completed four passes for 86 yards including the touchdown to Jamar Chase so I don't expect that to necessarily increase in this next game because blitzing Joe Burrow right now is just, you know, do it, do it, do it at your own risk because Burrow is known to kind of pick that apart. But that doesn't mean that they're not going to disguise some of these simulated pressures. It doesn't mean they're going to still rush four, maybe five on a delayed blitz, specifically with Kyle Hamilton or a Patrick Queen or Roquan Smith aligned in the slot. The Bengals go empty in th these three by two sets. It stretches out the Ravens defense. So you have guys like Smith or Queen kind of in the slot overhang uh, position. And then they send these delayed blitzes and then they have maybe like one of their edge rushers, like Odafe, excuse me, Odafe Owe, uh, dropping back into these intermediate zones, which is something that happened quite frequently this past Sunday. So they do a lot with these zone blitzes, and they, they try to disguise things at, um, after the snap, and it's up to Burrow and the offense to just basically trust their keys, to trust what they've studied on film, because I don't think that necessarily is going to change much in terms of the Ravens' scheme. They definitely showed a lot on Sunday, and unfortunately for the Bengals, they just weren't exactly sharp specifically with Burrow and his accuracy and his timing and his rhythm. Hopefully that gets ironed out and that's able to kind of overcome what the Ravens are going to try to do. So on the, on the flip side, um, we'll talk about what they may change up this week a little bit more, but on the flip side, 
what what did you see so there's talk about you know the Bengals maybe crawling in a shell a little bit towards the end of the game last week and and whatnot but I mean they were kind of still throwing deep balls and whatnot I I do think that they were showing some things that they were not really going to show this next week but there were some creative little wrinkles I like the, like that play down the left sideline where uh Chase was they faked the like kind of swing out to Chase and then T Higgins was wide open down the sideline and they missed that throw there but um, I mean, what? obviously they didn't show their full hand thinking that they were going to play the Ravens again the following week. I saw some things in terms of deep balls that were there and could have been had, but what else are you anticipating the Bengals maybe sh- showing this week, especially now, Kappa out, Collins out, that sort of thing? Yeah, I wonder how much of a change we're going to see in terms of just overall aggression pushing the ball down the field. Like we saw that earlier in the game and that's not just on some of these designed uh deep concepts you know where it's like the primary read is to try to, to stretch the deal but on some throws when you know burrow was just taking what was in front of him and you're, you're not really testing the, the ravens uh safeties in this case when you have some of these high low concepts you're just going underneath trying to pick up some yards after catch like there were some opportunities where either tyler boyd or jamar chase had some separation they found some soft spots in the in the zone and Burrow was just kind of taking the underneath option, just keeping the offense ahead of the schedule, which has mainly been the MO for this team. But there, I think there were some windows and opportunities that they didn't necessarily take advantage of. And I wonder if, if the plan here is to try to get the Ravens in more of this of these off covers or to try to get them creeping up a little bit close, right? That's why we saw a ton of wide receiver screens out towards the, you know, the wide part of the field to try to get the Ravens to creep up a little bit to then... Hit, hit them back with some vertical routes as you're taking advantage of some, of some press coverage. You trust your receivers and T and chase to be press off the edge and to stack those guys on the boundaries. So it, it's all this it's chess game going on where it's just forcing the Ravens to kind of creep up a little bit. So then you can attack them a little bit more vertically. And I would like to see more aggression to try to, to burn the Ravens for where they're vacating these zones on, on some of these pressures that they're going to try to conjure up. I, on the Bengals side, I mean, I, I think what was a little concerning is um, there was some uh, just general misses from from Joe Burrow, not just, you know, kind of the deep shots that they took. And, you know, there was just, a you know, but there was some other intermediate routes, Tyler Boyd and, and T Higgins and whatnot, that just uh, were not, they were not connecting on. So that's something I, you know, they're going to have to really dial in one way or the other. I don't know if it was a pressure situation, if Burrow just had an off day a little bit in some regards. All of that, but the other the other element I, I think that's going to change a bit, and I, I think maybe I'm just being, <laughs> I don't know, a little bit of a, a romantic with it a little bit because he used to play for the Ravens. I see, I, I see Hayden Hurst being involved in the game plan in a variety of ways this week. Um, you know, muscling for some tough yards, making sure you get some safe throws and, and stuff as the attention is being paid to the wide receivers very, very ardently by the, by, by the Baltimore, Baltimore Ravens. I, I see Hayden Hurst, maybe even early, kind of to get things in a rhythm, a, a, a focal point in this offense this week. I can see that too. I don't think it's just a cheap cliche of, of a narrative. Like I feel like he has a role to play in kind of splitting the safeties that the Ravens have up the middle. And I think when it comes to Burrow, a lot of this has been, oh, the Bengals didn't try that hard. They didn't, you know, they kept their cards close to, to their chest because they didn't want to give the Ravens too much. But also I think there's this factor of while this game was important to win and to ultimately get home field advantage, like it, it pales in comparison, obviously to what this game is and the stakes are obviously raised. And I think 
that matters in terms of getting the most out of Burrow in this offense. We've seen them prefer to step up to the challenge when they absolutely need to. And this is obviously this is the most important game of the season so far. And it's against a defense that has given them fits when the defense is at full strength. So I think there there's a challenge to be met here and there are stakes that have been raised and time and time again, we've seen number nine in this offense typically play their best when their backs are up against the wall. And that's just the case. Now it's gone up a level from this past week where it was just get, get, get past the game, get through the game, win the game, obviously. But like, this is the time when you need to show out and you need to play your best because the Ravens are going to have other guys back on offense. They're going to have a, you know, a better offensive performance and is going to put more pressure on the Bengals offense in turn. Yeah. And I think the defense too, you'll, you'll see more snaps from um, Hendrickson. He, he played uh, what, like 20. Um, so, and he was highly effective with his snaps. So uh, you'll see more from him, maybe a couple of more different differing blitz looks, but uh, on defense, what are you expecting here? They being the Ravens changing up. Uh, we talked a little bit about that, but what, what anything else that you think, that they will change up. It's hard to imagine some different things on defense that they will change given the intensity they played with. And you know, that the fact that they weren't resting a ton of starters on that side of the ball. Yeah. I I'm wondering just in general, like what it looks like when you have those guys back on offense. Like I want to ask our, our friends at seven ten uh, about the running back rotation, right? How you're going to see JK and Gus Edwards kind of split that rotation, split, split the, um, the carries in the backfield, Tyler Huntley is a little bit different compared to Anthony Brown. Like I've heard that, you know, Brown maybe has more of a livelier arm compared to Huntley, but you trust the consistency with Huntley and you trust the overall scheme of the run game more with Huntley in, in the pistol, you know, as a threat to run the ball. And obviously when Mark Andrews is out there, like he's the yeah. primary focal point of that entire passing offense. Like Isaiah likely stepped up in this role as a rookie and he's, he's produced really well, but Mark Andrews is, I think pretty clearly now like the second or third best tight end in the league and he just hauls in the vast majority of the targets that are, that are thrown his way. And I feel like Trey flowers didn't necessarily have a great game against Isaiah likely in some of these Ravens receivers when he was yeah. matched up in man to man situations. So they're look, the, the Bengals need to be looking for him to, to be a little bit better. And, and that wasn't, it wasn't the case of it was always flowers up against Andrews back in week five. Like that, that was actually the opposite of the case. They were, they were having came Taylor LeBrit or excuse me, um, Chidabe Wuzier at the time. He had some safeties lined up. It was almost like a, a platoon effort to try to snuff out Andrews and Andrews still had a great day. So whenever he's out there, like it just changes the dynamic of that Ravens passing game. And I believe Huntley is a little bit more of an accurate thrower compared to Anthony Brown. So that, that just changes dramatically. It does. And I don't like to openly correct you, my friend. You 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 said 710 sports. It's 410 sports. My bad. Talk. And that's all right, buddy. I just want to make sure for our for our guests, uh, we want to make sure that they, we get that correct for you. You got to go check out their YouTube channel, their podcast, and they are joining. We got both of them this time, John. Both okay. of them. Uh, we got Mr. Glenn Martin and James from 410 Jeez, sports. What's going on, guys? How are you? Good. I didn't know Jimmy was coming. This is news to me. Yes, sir. <laughs> nice. When you said that, I'm like, are they right about this? Um, but yeah, thanks for having us. Yeah, well, it's it's two weeks in a row. Last week felt a little rushed, and I think just the game in general and all the vibe around that game was just weird. And now we got a real one. The stakes is are it, Is it real? I guess, that's uh, You tell us. Starting we, out we feel got... like it's very real around here, okay? Yeah. <laughs> uh, is he out? I mean, he's we, out. We, yeah, yeah. 
Did He's you out. Tweet? Did you see the statement he released? We we talked uh, about it to open the show. Yeah. Yeah. So he's out, and obviously that's extremely disappointing for everyone here in Baltimore. And, man, it would have been fun to see these two teams at their best uh, to see who's who's the better team. Because I, I even though they did play each other earlier in the season, there was still a lot of missing parts on both sides, including surprise, the, the Ravens' MVP, which is crazy enough to say that's Roquan Smith, despite the fact he just got here in November. But he yeah. was voted the team's MVP. So we didn't get to see the matchup we were all hoping for. Yeah, gentlemen, what you guys got is a Glenn coming in hot, just FYI, because <laughs> we haven't had the opportunity to talk all day. Let me tell you what, Glenn no. just got off work. I still got my he suit on. Had, I was going to say, he's looking dapper for I the show. Know. I know exactly what happened. He's been sitting in the car on his yep. way home listening. Stewing, just the, fired the local up. media is so <laughs> negative right now and so frustrating. Everyone around here thinks Lamar is gone, thinks he's getting traded, thinks he's a foregone conclusion after he's next year. He's out because he doesn't have a contract. Yeah. It's, uh, it's so and that's dope. a whole nother story, but when it comes to this game, I mean, I agree with Glenn. It would have been nice to see the both teams at full strength. All that being said, you know, something positive that the Ravens can hang their hat on is that in the last game, call it what you may, the Ravens still were able to average, I think, a little over five yards of play uh, offensively. So that's something to hang your hat on when you got like Anthony Brown under center. Um, And I think we still ran for 110 (laughs) yards. Um, I appreciate your optimism, Jimbo. I love it, man. Thank you, man, because I needed it. Look, I'm a dying optimist. I think think those are two things you can certainly, uh, you know, do your best to hang your hat on and, uh, and build on. This is the real question I have. Who would you guys rather play? You know, when you think about not that either guy is Lamar Jackson, but Anthony Brown to me seems to be better at pushing the ball down the field, especially with Tyler Huntley's uh, shoulder injury. But Tyler Huntley is the more experienced guy. While he's only got eight starts, it's not like he's got you know four years of starting. Who you know who do you guys consider to be the bigger threat, or are you just not concerned about either of them? I think not being concerned is a little disingenuous because this is still an offense that is tough to defend regardless of who is under center. I think this might be a little bit weird, but because Anthony Brown did play on Sunday and you have fresh tape on him, I think the preference would be to face Anthony Brown because you at least have a semblance of an idea of what that offense looks like. The Bengals haven't played Tyler Hunt because they didn't play him last year, right. I don't think, because that was Josh Johnson in the second game. It was obviously Lamar in the first game of 2021. So they missed uh, Tyler Huntley's um, ascension last year as, as the backup. So that's a that's a new challenge. That's that's a new uh, opponent that the Bengals haven't faced. And I feel like that's a variable that can't really go understated, regardless of the health of his shoulder. So I think because they just faced Anthony Brown, yeah. despite maybe his more lively arm, that might be the preference, at least on my end. That would be that would probably be the preference as well. And obviously you're also talking about I think Huntley maybe played in some more meaningful games as well last year, uh, during the stretch wherein Lamar was hurt. Um, Anthony Brown, you know, comes in this week and it's kind of like playing a little bit with house money, right? I mean, they're already in the playoffs, and even if he didn't do all that well, you would have figured, hey, you know, it, it's not that big of a deal because the Ravens are in the playoffs and it's like I said, it's just kind of house money. But I I think Huntley is kind of a, a little bit of a better weapon, um, and I, I think it's also like what John said, just seeing them, seeing him last week is kind of a a big, you know, a big thing in the Bengals' favor there. But like you said, I, I'm curious now, and I, I know my partner was was ready to ask you this one too, but uh, just Andrews being back, regardless of who's under center, what what impact? I mean, obviously a big impact, but I mean, is that something where you feel like, hey, whether, whether, you know, if it is Huntley this week, 
is that the guy that's kind of get to get you over that 17 point average threshold and and this particular week because you know that's that's going to need to be the reality for the Ravens is that they are going to need to beat that average to get the oh, yeah. win this week. Yeah, I mean, no doubt having Andrews back is a boost. I mean, he's a dog, he's a leader. Uh, he brings a, a certain amount of, of physical and mental toughness to the offense, and he's also, I I, I heard uh, I heard um, was it uh, John here mention he is arguably the second bet. I mean, some people Jimmy might say he's the best tight end in football, but I think Kelsey right now it's pretty hard to unseat him, and then him and Kittle are are, are yeah. the argument. So I think it's great having him back, and I think Isaiah likely it'd be nice to see both of them participate in the same game because it's often. We see these explosive games from Isaiah Likely, but only when in the absence of Mark Andrews, and it makes me scratch my head when I can when I when I know that the Ravens run more multiple tight end sets than anyone in the league. So you'd think that there'd be plenty of opportunity for both. Um, so that's what I'm hoping for is not just a force feeding of of Mark Andrews the ball. I want to see um, Isaiah Likely to continue to expand his role because I don't think Mark Andrews is going to be enough. And unfortunately for the Ravens, there's not a ton of help for him on the outside. I think uh, Sammy Watkins showed that maybe he could beat if you just leave him on an island, which teams are, are doing lately against the Ravens. He might be able to create a big play down the field. But, I mean, that's really the only guy that you look at and you have con- – I mean, Demarcus Robinson's done some nice things, but he's also had some real stinkers. He drops the ball, it pops right out of his hands, right into the arms of the defender. He has horrible ball security. He holds the ball in one hand as he tries to stiff-arm defenders away with the other. Uh, so – while we're happy to have Andrews back, we also realize that he might be a one-man band in this one. Yeah, if I can add to that, um, I'll, I'll also uh, be the the positive uh, of the two of us. Thank you. Because, look, J.K. Dobbins didn't play in this last game. J.K. Yep. Dobbins was in the first game, and I think he yep. – um, I think he, I can't remember if he ran for 48 or something like that. I, I got it. Uh, Aries. JK eight for 44 yep. oh, for 44. Okay. Um, but every, you know, that was pre second surgery. He certainly yep. looked a lot different since then. Um, and the atrophy is starting to recover. You can tell because he's, he's gaining his breakaway speed. So once again, everybody knows that we're going to run the football. Um, but seeing JK at full speed could do something to help this offense just simply surprise the Bengals, right? I mean, there's just a ton of running backs from the Bengals defense uh, from their perspective to just account for. Like, it seems like Gus Edwards is, he's like the topic of discussion right now because he's off the concussion protocol. He only had four carries in this past game, but the Bengals haven't really faced like a ton of him ever since in, in these past couple of years. And now he's, you know, presumably coming back along with Dobbins, who w- was held out of this game. What is these, what is this rotation going to be like with both of them in the backfield because obviously they've been the, the featured backs ever since uh, uh jackson's injury in, in december like h- how like what what is to expect with just how they're going to be deployed kind of equally yeah I, I don't think it'll be very equal at all and this might not like james make james very happy because he's the biggest gus edwards fan i know i think jk dobbins is going to be the featured back and it's it's partly because of gus coming off of the concussion but also um just because I think they believe that J.K. is the more explosive and more, you know, better player in this mo- in this game. You know, Gus Edwards is still recovering, and, and J.K. is as well, but it just looks like the explosiveness is back in J.K.'s game. I mean, his jump-cutting ability seems – I mean, it, it almost makes me nervous how much pressure he seemingly puts on those uh, his, his recovering knee, but I just love what I've been seeing from him. So, mu- so much more explosiveness, has the big play threat. While he doesn't have that top-end – 
speed that I think he can turn an 80, I mean, a, you know, a 20, 40 yard run into a 70, 80 yard run just yet. He still provides more of a home run threat than Gus Edwards at this point. So I think we'll see Gus, but I think we're going to see a whole lot more of JK Dobbins and Gus will get, you know, kind of what's left. Yeah. I think Gus is, is more of a, it's funny. I mean, I think Gus is a situational guy in that a lot of times the Ravens have deployed heavy doses of Gus when they're ahead, right? When, when the Ravens are running the football and everybody and their mom knows it, the best running back to run the football is Gus Edwards because he's just going to fall forward for four and a half yards over and over <laughs> and over and over again. Right. Like that's just what he does. Um, yeah. But so it being that this game, I, I don't see it as a game where we're going to have a 10, 14 point lead for the majority of the time or no. whatever the case may be. No, I, I, I don't, huh. uh, you know, I, I think that uh, you, like Glenn said, you'll see less of him. The only time I would, I would say look out for Gus is when the defense needs to get their wind. Um, and JK may have popped a couple of them consecutively, or they had a couple positive plays consecutively and they're kind of back on their heels. It's a good time to use a Gus Edwards just because he's a physical player. Um, and he can kind of catch people off, uh, off guard. So, but yeah, I think it'll be heavy, heavy JK for sure. Talking with James and Glenn of 410 sports talk, youtube.com slash at 410, the numbers sports talk is the YouTube channel. We'll share that with you in just a second as well. Got to go subscribe there. We always love chatting with you guys. Uh, I don't know if I even want to bring up this topic because oh our podcast channel uh, put out just a couple of video clips on Twitter. Uh-huh. Uh, and there was some talk about from Bengals players about uh. how things transpired. Uh, yeah. Maybe after the whistle stuff and all of that. Some Bengals fans are up in arms about it. Some Bengals plans are saying, players are saying, you know, we know what we saw and all of that. Some fans are saying I didn't really see much, and maybe it's really uh, kind of where I sit. I saw maybe a couple of things that maybe pushed the envelope and a couple of things really that's like, hey, it's tough football. Um, I don't know what you guys saw from your side of the fence on that front and or, um, you know, Roquan Smith obviously has been in the news for a lot of different reasons this week. So yeah, buddy. I, I, I can't wait to go on your show and probably yeah. be, be asked about this. So <laughs> I, I guess – I. I guess just in a roundabout way, uh, I wanted to get kind of what, what you thought about that whole narrative this week. Yeah, Jimmy, let me take let me take this one if you could, Jimmy. I think this is absolutely incredible. Do you guys have any video evidence? Because I keep hearing about these, but there's cameras everywhere. Can I? Do you guys have any examples of what some of the? Well, they put up were? a couple. I, is I it saw the Roquan some... chest bump to to the Roquan to... chest bump, well, the, the Chuck that. Clark, the Chuck Clark. I don't really care about that. Bounds. The out yeah. of bounds hit. Um, I'm so to what exactly is there a big one or is it just those two? There was a suplex that happened and then Harbaugh was kind of congratulating. It was, it was just a little weird. It was a little weird. It, That's all I'm going to say. It just, there was, a, there was an extra edge. I will say mm-hmm. that this week. And yeah. it just okay. felt like, it felt like, you know, uh, that it was, I, again, I don't, I don't, John and I kind of agree that we didn't think anything was really over the line or anything egregious or anything. It just was like, the line was hmm. being pushed, um, and you know, it was yeah. very anything careful. in the moment. Like, did you in the moment no, notice it? Okay, not really. Okay. I mean, not because really. I didn't either. Yeah, not not really. I mean, there was some stuff. You know, those those you could argue one way or the other about the defenseless receiver stuff with Higgins and Boyd, and you know, it's like okay, well, I mean, you can see that one or two ways. I understand that it was more a couple of twists and things after the whistle. It looked like the Bengals player got involved in one, and then obviously there was Linderbaum that, that was involved in one, and then you saw some stuff on the other side. 
I don't know. Yeah. Um, just kind of a talking point this week, and obviously, yeah, yeah now I think it's, it's soft. It's... I think it's soft, Anthony. I hate to cut you <laughs> off, yes. but I'm fired yes. up because I thought it was the. This is AFC North football in yeah. in in January. Like you, I mean, first of all, I saw Eli Apple lifting up Ben Powers' leg and trying to bend it backwards as he's on a pile. I saw Linderbaum getting kicked by a defender in his shoulder as another guy was shoving him onto the pile. Nobody said anything. It's like. I am. I was totally blown away at the complaining, and it just to me, it just screamed softness, absolute softness from those crybaby players and the crybaby fans that supported it. Uh, it was ridiculous. Like I didn't see any, and then the fact that they, I mean, Roquan's chest bump. I mean, he was clearly just trying to go contract congratulate a, a play <laughs> made by a teammate, and they bumped chests. Really, like. It was the I I bumped into people harder walking through the the the, the hallways of my high school 15, 20 years ago. This is football in the AFC. No, I thought it was the saw. I was embarrassed by you know for those players to come out not only to say it but to broadcast it to, to the media as if it was le- crazy. Like well, and then the week before, I saw Hendrickson diving into the ankle of Josh Allen. Which was a little suspect as he all of a sudden had an extra stunt or roll in his. He's got a wrist brace. He couldn't brace himself. Come on. Glenn. Oh, stop. <laughs> yeah, I heard that too. That right. Look at this. Hilarious. Look at this too. Like, come on. This, the timing of your comments, Glenn. Could, look I'm at sorry, this. Sorry, Rob. I don't mean, you know, <laughs> and I think I am a nice guy, but maybe I need to take back what I said. Oh. Glenn, I think the way I would summarize it is it's simply the difference in perspective when you ask wide receivers. Mm-hmm. It's skill positions. And when you ask guys in the trenches and linebackers about football, right? Like their spectrums of physicality are just different, right? Like yeah. it just, it just is what mm-hmm. it is. So yeah, I think at the end of the day, it's just AFC North football and it's two rivals getting a little heated, I but um, and I, and I, and I will say, I do think, and I know John has another question for you as well. I want to get, get to his, uh, that is, uh, before we get completely off the rails with my terrible question, but, um, <laughs> I will say this. I do think also just in general too, it's, it's teams right now this week kind of trying to rev themselves up potentially in their own respective ways, right? Trying to get the, the locker room stirring, trying to get the emotions high for a big game. Maybe that's all part of it as well. I didn't see stuff where I was, you know, Pittsburgh Steelers type of stuff, which is on the regular for sure. I did not see that kind of stuff, but there was just stuff where you go, hmm, okay. But John, I know you want to ask them about their exciting rookie who's starting to turn a corner a little bit, uh, their first round pick. Yeah, how long is Roquan Smith in? No, I'm just kidding. Um, Roquan Smith got a deal. <laughs> He's now the highest paid off all linebacker. Patrick Queen's playing a lot better. And the Bengals didn't really get a taste of Kyle Hamilton the first time around. But now, yeah. really, ever since, I guess, that halfway mark of the season, he's been like a big slot. And he was like, I was watching this game beyond, you know, the obvious derby stuff that the Ravens are doing. I'm like, Kyle mm-hmm. Hamilton's kind of a nuisance out here. He's just setting mm-hmm. the edge very well. He's blitzing yep. very effectively. Like, how has that evolution been along with, like, the addition of Roquan Smith? Because that, that's a dangerous second level of the defense. You know, I would say uh, surprising in the time that it happened. Not that we don't we didn't think that Kyle Hamilton would get there. We were really excited about the pick, but we I think Glenn and I were both uh, we had to recalibrate our expectations because he was kind of struggling at the beginning of the year. And I think part of that was him being a cerebral player and having to catch up to the speed of the NFL, and then also the defensive coordinator having to figure out where he can put him in positions to be successful. But just like you said, I mean, this kid's rise and. and uh, and progression has been meteoric. I mean, it's been really incredible to watch his physicality. He's probably our second best tackler behind Roquan right now, which is uh, pretty crazy to say. 
just a few, um, you know, just a few weeks ago, like you said, maybe eight weeks ago. I don't think Glenn and I would have, we probably would have chuckled at that comment. Uh, but certainly Hayden Hurst knows who Kyle Hamilton is. Um, and I'm sure he, uh, you know, he, he's not excited in, in his heart of hearts of having to deal with that again. It just, he's a, he's an interesting player. He's long, he's fast, he's athletic, he's physical. Um, and he's just been a lot, uh, really exciting to watch. So I'm looking forward to, to see what he can do. And not only that, Jimbo, you didn't touch. He's, he's, he's one of our best blitzers. I mean, outside of the edge group, yeah. he might be yeah. our best. I mean, Roquan yeah. and Pat Queen are certainly talented, but he is terrifying off the edge. The way he can uh, kind of deceive the quarterback into thinking he's dropping, and then, boom, he's shot out of a cannon, uh, uses his hands well to get around a potential blocker. And Man, I, I've been blown away by the progression uh, of Kyle Hamilton throughout this season, and he's not just great. Uh, oh man, I've seen this super chat. <laughs> don't don't look at that. Oh, he's trying man. to get in your head. No, because he yeah, he's don't always in my it. head. He no. and he's is this, is, oh. is this is this the foot guy? Is this, this, is is this the, yes, Anthony? Yes, this is oh the guy God. who is oh asked to see the back of my head. He's asked <laughs> to see my bare leg, your throat. <laughs> he's asked to see my throat, which I draw. I drew the line. I said you ain't seeing. I don't know. <laughs> We'll and he refuses. Him. He refuses to spell Glenn's name with two N's. He's he's got a, Glenn's. Glenn's got himself a little YouTube stalker. I love it. But hey, we'll take the super check because that's going to go to the Ken Anderson Alliance. Well, Glenn, he's throwing that. money around. Like you Gladly. might as well take advantage of yeah. it. Oh, I'm sure you oh, can profit That's why I oblige. That's why I oblige because he sends very <laughs> generous super chats. So I pulled a leg out. I've spun around and showed the back of my head, which I know uh, can't be for good reasons. That's but hilarious. you know, I say on air that James Haskell cannot be bought. Okay. Good, good to know. Good to know. <laughs> hey, before we, I know you guys got to get out of here and do your yeah. show, and we're gonna yeah. we're gonna hop on uh, there as well, or at least I will. I don't know if my partner is, but I will uh, be point. there in just a little bit. Um, yeah. So uh, here's here's the thing, and I, look, I, I think right now the line is about what nine nine points. I think it's ten. I think it's going yeah. up. Yeah. So you know, that's some indicator of some kind there. What do the Ravens need to do in this one? What 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 is the their best path to success? Mm-hmm. There's only one, one path to success. Okay, yeah, it's only Tell me. one. I said it before, and I said it facetiously, and I absolutely mean it now. Greg Roman, take ten percent of your playbook because we know it's only ten percent. He's only got. Oh, he's he's go. like uh, it's like splitting. It's like Novocaine. Give it time, works every time, right? He's got like six pass plays. Just remove them from your playbook. Just run it every play. Yeah, get in your bag and start running the football because there's there's that. You can't turn over the football. You have to be close to perfect on defense, and the defense has to get their hands on a ball. All yeah. of that is a lot to ask for. That's the only path forward for this team. The only yeah. path. I, I don't see any other way. Yeah, I see a, it, the, the, the way they went, defensive score or a special team score, and then defense plays absolutely crazy, and the offense doesn't turn the ball over. That's really the only way. But they got to throw it eventually, Jimbo. They yeah. can't. Keep going up against a, sure. a 60 lineman box with two linebackers and three DBs singled up on the outside. Like eventually you gotta say, all right, enough is enough. We're throwing the damn ball over your head. Uh, I mean, it's just ridiculous. I get so far, I get so frustrated. But before I go, I gotta ask this question here. And I I don't know the origin. So where the hell did Who Day come from? And was it before Who Dat? Oh boy! Uh, what came day? first, who dad or who uh, dad? That, that's that's a that's a point of contention. I think each fan base would tell you I, they they originated around the same time, if memory serves. Um, and who day who day is a chant? You know, either either fan base will tell you that the other one came first, right? I mean, that's just that's just kind of how they how they claim it. But who day is just kind of this chant in this uh, mantra 
that the Bengals and their fans have adopted. The, the, the locker room does it. Um, they, they, you know, they do it after every game. The players and coaches do. The fans do it after, you know, after each score at, in the home stadium. John, you are a native Cincinnati, and so you can tell a little bit more about this. Yeah, there's a historic brewing company in Cincinnati called Hootapool. And there you go. Yeah, yeah Hootapool. Essentially, yeah, they, they, they shortened it out to, to, to Who Day, and then, and then it kind of just became the mantra for them around like the early 80s and yeah it was before the the saints i think it was it was kind of like almost a coincidence how they were both kind of at the same time and you know you can argue that some inspiration was taken from one thing but the Bengals have the, the receipts of an actual who to pull who day kind of like actual yeah there you go that that can that can back that up so all right all right i'll be honest when i see it in my I, I chat I find it obnoxious uh, I, I'm, telling you, I'm telling you, I'm telling you, just air grievances. You asked, you asked the Saints fan, cause we've had this discussion with Saints fans too. And they'll say that it is, it, they did it first. And uh, the Bengals fans claim that they did it first. And yes, it was uh, based around the, the, the beer. Um, see, even, even Rob here says who dad oh. has origins way before. So the that's Bengals the case. Too, so, and they I mean, it's, it's arguable. It's Thumbs arguable. Down. It's arguable. Uh, it's debatable. Here you go. 410 <laughs> Sports Talk, the YouTube channel. Tell us about your show. I know you're going live in a couple minutes. We yeah. took too long for you, but uh, we appreciate your time as always. Where can people find your show aside from YouTube? Yeah, I mean, really all your podcasting uh, sources. Wherever you get your podcasts, we're on there. You can find us. Um, you can find us on all the, the, the major social medias as well if you want to reach out to us there appreciate you guys having us on Absolutely. and always reciprocating always. Uh, always have fun i figured i'd come in here and get people fired up you're lucky jimmy it. came let me tell you because next time i'm gonna come alone and i'm really gonna let my hair down okay jimmy <laughs> you know i had to make sure jimmy had he's his time <laughs> he's the peacekeeper but i'm coming i might have a few firewaters in me before i come next time All and right. I, i'm gonna come in hot on this who day and the physicality questions coming in hot well, go, uh, go bring your bring your YouTube stalker as well. That is uh, in, in his or her <laughs> generosity, so we can donate to charity. Thanks, guys. We'll uh, we'll catch up with you in just a little bit here about hey, this big game. Have a good one, guys. Appreciate your time. Take care. Yep. Take Thanks, care. guys. Uh, wow, that was that, they caught me off guard a little bit with the the I I, I know about the Hootay origins. I was like doing different things to share the screen and all kinds of stuff. So they caught me off guard a little bit with that. But yes, the Hootay pole beer, of course. How how. Uh, how astute of you to bring that up, my friend. Um, all right, let's talk prediction, predictions and everything before we hop on over to their great show. Wow, that was that was fun and enthusiastic to say to say the least. Uh, John, what what do the Bengals need to do here? I, here's the thing: I think they're what uh, this this year. Well, thirteen. What are they? Thirteen and three or something uh, against the spread this year. So uh, they are very good at covering the spread, which if you're averaging that out and the spread here, you're looking at potentially the Bengals getting a blowout win. At least chances are, are pointing to that if you look at the against the spread. But this is a division rival. You're playing them three times. Your keys and prediction for this one, my friend. It, it, I stand by this being the toughest um, offensive battle that this offense and this team is going to face on this side of the playoffs. I, I think on paper, the Bills probably have a better defense, but the defense that knows them more intimately, that matches up with them in terms of schematics, like this is the biggest test that the Bengals have, and it's coming right out of the gate, right off of, of a shaky performance from Joe Burrow in, in some parts of this offense. So there's the whole aspect of, can they just bounce back like they usually do? Like you can count on Burrow to not have two duds 
of the performances uh, consecutively, and I I feel like it's kind of stupid to go against that. So I don't know if they cover like the spread entirely, but it's it's just a matter of how many points is Snoop Huntley compared to Anthony Brown, adding Mark Andrews, adding J.K. Dobbins, adding Kevin Zeiler, and adding Marcus Peters. How many points is that worth if you're the Ravens while you're facing a more in tune and locked in Burrow who's going to play his best when the lights are at his brightest all the whole nine yards? So I, I think it's ultimately not going to matter that much. Now, are they going to cover the spread? I don't know, but I still th- think that the Bengals win this one just because the Ravens aren't going to be able to keep up. So I'm going to go Ravens 20, Bengals 17. Okay. Uh, the, the, the usual John Sheeran score prediction. I love it. What are you talking about? Uh, <laughs> you know, I, it's, I don't, I don't think, I think the Bengals win. I do not think they cover. I think it's just too hard to, to play a division rival three times. Now, we can look back to the games last last year, obviously, and say, well, the Bengals blew the doors off the Ravens twice. But, you know, the Ravens did a lot of stuff this offseason to remedy the defense to not allow the Bengals to score that many points, put up that many passing yards, et cetera, on them. So, I, you know, I just I don't see that really being the case. Could it be? Yeah, I just I don't know, man. This is a division game in the playoffs. These are always hard to predict unless you see. I mean, I, I know there's an obvious disparity there at quarterback, but. The Ravens kind of found their way in the game last last week, despite a lot of different things going wrong. So it's going to be, you know, it's going to take the Bengals hitting most of those types of plays that they missed last week on offense. It's going to have to be a little bit more of the same from the defense in terms of sacking the quarterback, causing a couple of turnovers, et cetera. Not necessarily one for a touchdown, but causing a couple of turnovers. Um, I, I will say in this one, again, I, I, I have a hard time thinking that, the Ravens kind of get past that threshold that they haven't been past without Lamar, which is around 16, 17 points. So I will say Cincinnati uh, 23, Ravens 16. That's what I'll say there. So a touchdown victory there for the Bengals in my estimation. Let's drop the mic and get out of here so we can uh, maybe make another appearance, my friend. Uh, how? Wh- what do you got for us as we head out of here? Nothing much, just that I will be down there on Sunday night with Chad Johnson, TJ Hushmanzada, who I believe is the rule of the jungle, our friend Ken Anderson, everyone um, that I know, aside from Anthony Kazenza, is going to be down there at the game. <laughs> Sorry, Anthony. Um, I still yeah. might. Working oh, on it. Okay. Um, Anthony is going to be there. You heard it here first. Uh, well, so- I don't know if I, I am, am, but I'm working on it. Flights are outrageous out here, my friend. I Oh my God! Sorry. Go ahead. I don't mean to. I mean, if you start driving right now, I feel like you you might be able to make it. So that that might that might give you a better chance because I wouldn't. I I I pity anyone who's trying to fly at this moment. But um, yeah, I'll I'll be down there. Um, if you guys know any tailgating places, I might might hit hit you up. So yeah, it should be a lot of fun. Well, I will. Yes, I will for sure let you know. And I'm just going to do a quick uh, shout out to Rob Duncan there. He is a guy who uh, that's just going to be my my mic drop there. He's uh, a guy that always supports and makes positive comments and all kinds of different things. And we appreciate you, Rob, for sure, for for your support, constant support of this show. A lot of you in there, a lot of a lot of uh, a lot of common names in there or, or uh, you know, familiar names in there that we see. And we appreciate all of you. But uh yeah, and by the way, Rick Rick says Sheeran needs his Muppets. They're the only ones who listen to him. And we had a request earlier about getting the other uh, the other 
uh, by the way, I listen to you. I, I don't know if that was a slide of me saying I just don't listen <laughs> to you or whatever. Um, but uh, we had another request. So yes, we have to get Hoji and it's it's a it's a that's a long uh, planning process to get them on, is it not? Uh, we have to we have to kind of make sure that we get everything set up for those guys correctly correct i mean this is my chance when i don't have to you know have my hands inside puppets and try to do people's <laughs> voices at once man this is like this is my break this is my catharsis from all respite don't, yeah. don't, don't make me put more work into that come on oh uh, yeah uh anyway thanks to the guys at 410 sports glenn and james we're gonna hop over there in just a little bit to talk some some ball too we'll probably get skewered over there but whatever it is what it is thank you all for your support we're having more we've got mike golick interview tomorrow we've got uh daniel wilcox former ravens tight end also set for tomorrow we had ken anderson earlier this week so hopefully you enjoyed that and of course our aftermath show earlier this week our guy, Bengal Jim, had Andrew Whitworth on the show with his buddies, so go check that one out. And then, of course, we had another great episode from Matt Minnick dropped today as well uh, from the Coach Speak Chalk Talk show. So go check it out on your favorite audio streamer, and uh, we appreciate it. Thanks, everybody. Take care, and we'll be back with more. <laughs>